Hello, everybody. Welcome to Trader Transformation Principles. I'm John Locke with LockingYourSuccess.com. We also have Stephen here. Hi, Stephen. Hey, John. Hey, he's also with LockingYourSuccess.com. And uh, let's uh, quickly go over our disclaimer material and we'll get, get running here. So um, wanted to let you know that the presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker dealers or financial advisors and we're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that your risk and trading options is substantial, and please make sure you are aware of all your risks, all your risks prior to placing any trades. Also, note that if there are any trades in the presentation that are shown or results, they're hypothetical computer simulated trades. And make sure that you understand that we do our best to make sure things are as accurately represented as possible. But live results can vary from simulated results for many, many different reasons. The Trader Transformation Workshop was a workshop that we put on in 2019. It was a live workshop down near Orlando, Florida. And the seminar was about developing the ability to quickly evaluate trading strategies, as well as the ability to uh, create extremely effective trading strategies without the need to spend hours upon hours backtesting them. Now, if you've ever been to one of my live seminars, you probably experienced the amazement in the room when one of our attendees would give, uh, give me a set of rules or guidelines or a trade, perhaps something I've never even seen before or tested. And I can almost instantly, you know, once I understand the, what the guidelines are, I can almost instantly tell them how that set of rules would have performed in any given period of time. Or somebody might throw a, a time period out at me, and I'll tell them how that trade would have worked out. And... Uh, everybody's always shocked by this. And they wonder, well, how do you do that? Now, I want to make everybody aware that this isn't a trick and it's not magic. It's simply the natural result of having a full and complete understanding of options configurations, uh, adjustment strategies, and different types of entry and exit strategies. My point being that anybody can learn to do how uh, to do that. And in this workshop, one of my focuses was to get people or get participants to the point where they could actually do something like that. Now to get an idea how you might develop this type of an understanding, let's just first take a look at something extremely simple. So if your strategy, if you came up with me a strategy and it was to buy 10 shares of SPY at, you know, whenever I told you to, to buy it and your the only rules you really had was I'm going to buy 10 shares of SPY and then I'm going to sell it 30 days later. If those were your only rules, then anyone could give you an entry date and without too much trouble, you could simply look at the price chart, right? Know you exited 10 days later and you could tell the person the outcome of the trade. I mean, if you bought, 100 share, if you bought 10 shares of SPY at $100 and, and you know, the SPY went up a dollar in the 30 day period, you know, you'd make $10. So you can do that because you understand, you fully understand the dynamics that are involved in buying a stock at one price and then selling it later at another. So if we build from there, once we understand that level, uh, if we add an entry and an exit criteria, for example, let's say we, uh, you know, we buy when we get a moving crossover, uh, moving average crossover, the 20 day moving average goes over the 50 day moving average. That's our buy signal. And we're gonna exit when we either hit a profit target of $100 or a maximum loss of $50, or we can even add a, a day or in 30 days, we can keep that one there too. It's going to be a bit more complex to figure out what happened during that trade and the result of that trade by just looking at the chart, but we can still easily determine how any particular trade would have worked out simply by identifying the enter trigger, knowing when we went in and knowing when that 
when that stock or that trade hits exit criteria. Now we can take the same concept now and we could use say a bullish vertical instead of SPY stock. Now, most people have a general understanding of what a bullish vertical is, right? So they, they can kind of do a similar thing, right? You could look at the chart and you can determine in a lot of cases whether or not the trade won or lost simply by going through or and looking at the price movement of the asset, because we know that as long as the price doesn't go down too far for most bullish verticals, depending on how they're set up, then you're probably won the trade, but it's going to be more difficult to determine exactly when your exit triggers are hit and exactly how much the strategy won or lost, because now we're dealing with more variables. Therefore, to determine the actual result in that bull vertical, we need to develop a few additional understandings. Um, you know, with the stock profit and loss, um, when you look at the stock position, the profit and loss in the position or in the trade was solely dependent on price movement. But with a vertical, in addition to our price movement, we also need to consider implied volatility, uh, what it was on entry. We need to consider how implied volatility has changed since our entry. And we also have to have a general understanding of how the passage of time is going to affect that particular strategy. And this is where people start to get a little bit lost sometimes and they kind of give up and they start thinking uh, of these option strategies as black boxes, but they're not. They have all the same dynamics and figuring these out is actually a lot simpler than you think, but it does take a little bit of experience, of experiencing uh, what's going on and paying attention. Because look, we know um, that implied volatility generally, go generally goes up in proportion with the size of uh, down price movements. And implied vol volatility generally goes up with what we call range expansions when the range of the market or the daily range of the market starts to open up. We know we're gonna get a certain implied volatility increase and it's generally gonna be in proportion with the size of those moves. Not always, but most of the time. Um, we also know that implied volatility generally goes down in proportion with the size of uh, the direction of, of the market going up. Uh, we know it's gonna be variable based on the, the, uh, the, the range of the day, so to speak. And we also know when we get range, general range contractions in the market, we're also gonna get an implied volatility drop and also a skew curve shift as well. But my point being is that with a little experience in trading a particular position. So if you were to take a, uh, a vertical, for example, and you were to trade that the exact same way through 10 years of backtesting, um, you, and you paid attention, because most people don't pay attention. They only pay attention to whether the trade wins or loses or it's beyond maximum loss or hit profit for target from day to day. But if you actually paid attention to what's going on during the trade in relation to what the market movement was doing, then you would gain in a lot of insights on, um, on what the profit and loss of that strategy is gonna be at any given time. And I've done this for years, I, I've done this with a butterfly, right? And a lot of our strategies, we look at a butterfly and we just take a look at the T plus zero line. We take a look at the cost of the butterfly. We take a look at the delta of the butterfly and we can make very good um, predictions on what the implied volatility is in the marketplace. And if you've done this for 10 years, like I have, then you get a really good understanding of what the value of that butterfly position is gonna be with certain price movements. And that's where we would like uh, people to get to. But once you understand the vertical, 
Okay, and then you can move on and start gradually layering more and more levels of understanding into your projections. And for example, we can bring in condors, we can bring in butterflies, like I said, we can do broken wing butterflies, we can uh, play with date shifts on entry and different times to expiration. And, we, and, and when we start to fully internalize that, uh, we can get a very, very good estimation of what that position is doing without, just by looking at the charting, without even ever backtesting it. Um, you know, other things that might affect this is, you know, different exit strategies. How does, uh, you know, one of the things we, we talk about is how do certain things affect your position? So a lot of times we'll show somebody uh, a bullish vertical and they'll say, well, what, you know, we're selling a 10 delta put, say, what if you do a 30 delta? What if you do it at the money, right? Those are different types of uh, entry strategies, okay? Um, this answers the, those questions. We also have things like uh, profit charge, target changes. We often have somebody who will back test a strategy and they'll have one bad month and they'll notice that, um, you know, say you had a pro you have profit target of $5,000 and they went through a period of time where they had a couple of trades in the back testing where they trade got to three thousand uh, dollars or thirty five hundred dollars and then it lost uh, afterwards so the the thought comes in or the question comes in well why can't i just reduce my profit target to three thousand dollars well that has a whole cascade of effects on that trading strategy yes you'll win more often it increases probability which is one of the things we talk about and a characteristic. And when you start looking at these characteristics by themselves, adding a profit target or reducing a profit target in a trading strategy always, always increases probability. It always increases the chance you're going to win, but it has a cascade of effects in other ways, right? Because now your win-loss ratios, your risk-reward ratio from your wins and losses is thrown off. Now you actually have to have a higher probability in order to make that strategy profitable. And then people will say, well, since my risk-reward is thrown off, why don't I lower my maximum loss? Well, you can do that. Whenever you tighten your maximum loss, you're going to reduce the probability of that trade winning because there are going to be times in the past when you've gone beyond that number and the trades come back in one. So now you're trading with a decreased profit target and a decreased maximum loss, making less money with the exact same probability you had in the start, right? And um, these are the tricks that people play with themselves to try and, you know, get this ultimate uh, strategy or the, or the uh, what we call it, the, the holy grail strategy so that they never lose. But whenever you try to make any kind of a, of, of a change in an in a, in a, uh, adjustment strategy or an entry strategy or a profit target or a loss, you should be aware of the effects that that has on your trading strategy. And you should also be aware that whenever you do that, it's going to um, be relevant across all trading strategies that are of this type, of this income type. Okay, so if you reduce a profit target in a strategy, it has the same effect on any strategy, reduce a profit target. If you, if you take, 
eliminate a profit target has the same effect. And the same thing with playing with max losses, same thing with playing with entry dates and stuff like that. And knowing the aspects of that, knowing what happens when you do that, it allows you to take a look at a certain trading strategy and then quickly determine whether that strategy, trading strategy is going to be viable and profitable over the long term. Again, without having to go in and backtest it. And those are some really, really cool things to learn. So, um, so those are the types of things we talked about. Um, um, another thing that we talked about is, is, is not only evaluating trading strategies and understanding trading strategies, but then how to quickly learn how to quickly create effective trading strategies without backtesting. So one of the things we did in the workshop, and then I'll just quickly go over this, I'll let Stephen talk. But one of the things we did in the workshop is we created strategies, or we had the students create a strategy that won in 2018. Now, anybody could take a time period of a year and create a trading strategy that will win, right? So we had them do that. The question becomes, is that strategy a long-term viable strategy? And then we, we took a look and we discussed those strategies and we talked about the components within the strategies that won 2018 that would either um, make it more likely the trading strategy would be a good long-term viable strategy or, you know, just a, a situation where, yeah, it won 2018, but long-term this thing's going to get killed. A, a tremendous thing to learn. And we talked about the features and aspects of the trade that would make it that way, again, without having to go through uh, 14 hours backtesting it. We also, from there, you know, I gave extensive instructions uh, on how to quickly create uh, long-term effective strategies. And then we broke people up into groups and we had them develop strategies and explain the reasoning um, and have had them explain the reason why they developed the strategies the way they did and what they think the characteristics of the strategies are going to be. Because when you develop a, a trading strategy in three hours, right, you don't have a chance to backtest it for 10 years. But um, we wanted them to know and understand what that strategy was going to do without ever having to backtest it. And, and like I said, these are very, very um, important things to understand and know as a trader. I mean, imagine knowing your trading strategy so well that you knew it was going to win or lose, or, or it would have won or lost just simply based on the charting of the past. Um, it would, it's, it's extremely effective. So Stephen, I'm gonna bring you on. Okay. And do you want me to, I don't know if you have any comments, but- uh, you... I, I, I do have a quick comment. Um, this, this is one of those programs where it's a little different in that there's a lot of student participation and presentation. Um, there's one section where uh, me and uh, two other uh, traders did a presentation around how we adapted the X4 strategy. So we present that. And then there's also the groups that John talked about. We went into breakout groups and everybody uh, developed a strategy just off the cuff and presented it. So as much as everybody loves to watch John present, I think it's a, <laughs> a little change of pace to see actual students present their trades and their and see how their uh, thought process uh, develops as they're walking through a lot of the trades. So that's a little bit different from a lot of your other programs that I think is very attractive for people. Yeah, it was just it was just a, a, a fantastic experience for uh, for the traders there and and for me as well to really get involved with the students. So let's see, I, um, you should be able to share your screen now if you'd like. Okay. What I wanted to do and what John uh, had asked me to do is look, give a little bit of a uh, participant's uh, perspective on this program. 
Um, and so while John has obviously hit on a lot of the high level principles, I wanted to kind of dig in and these are probably more refined principles or, or maybe more detailed. Mm -hmm. And, and again, just kind of give you from my perspective. So the first thing that kind of came to my mind when I got done with this program was the following. You know, in trading, when you don't have any rule set, any program, any, any idea of what you want to do with a trade, uh, in terms of creating a new trade, you have a blank canvas. There's nothing on the wall. And that's what trader transformation really helps you do is just sort of strip away everything and say, if I had nothing, what would I do? What would I create? What elements of the strategy um, would be incorporated, you know, that, that fits me and my goals? Because right now there's so many trade trades out there, some John, some not. <clears throat> We're influenced by that and, and understandably so. But this gives us an opportunity to, to take your skill sets and say, you know, I've got a blank canvas. Let's see what we can do with it. Mm. And maybe some of you can turn that blank canvas into a Van Gogh. You know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe your first trade won't be that good, but hopefully you'll be on the road. But if you can apply the principles that are in this program to really sharpen the saw and, and develop your craft, you'll be able to fill that canvas out with not only one trade, but maybe several trades or variations of those trades. And the big highlights that came out for me uh, that give you the ability to do that is, is developing that mindset. John goes through a lot, a lot in depth and a lot more of the mindset and how it relates to, you know, in simple terms, the math of trading, you know, thinking in probabilities and thinking about expected value of my trade over time, over a sufficient sample size, not just what was the result yesterday, what's the result on this trade right now, this one data point, but expect, expected value over time. So putting those things together, I think you have the ability to paint uh, the picture that you want, uh, as they say, for, for a new trade and, and for developing a trade. Right. So, Stephen, you know, one of the interesting things that I, I like to point out, too, is, is, is that there's a big difference between um, taking, a taking a butterfly and then form, basically using backtesting to form fit it so that it, so the strategy worked out. Yes. There's a big difference from doing that and saying, oh, this is the concept, here are the principles, and um, I'm going to apply these principles, and then I'm going to backtest them just to right. see if they worked. So in one case, you're, you're basically taking something and you're form-fitting it to the market and what, what we call fine-tuning the trading strategy to the luck of the past, which is what most people do. Um, right. In the other case, you're just relying on good principles and uh, probabilities in order to make the trade. It's a huge difference. Right. It, it, it just comes down to, to curve-fitting. You end up curve-fitting, and, and like you've said in the past, sometimes it's conscious and sometimes it's – most of the time it's subconscious. You're just curve-fitting. That's why when you start blank – your chances of curve fitting something are, are a lot lower, right? Because for instance, there's a strategy, you know, we're, we're, most of the things that we trade are uh, fly based, you know, butterflies below the market, give or take. 
you know, there were students that presented trades that were calendars, or as I'll demonstrate later, uh, a trade that on the face of it looks pretty nutty, <laughs> you know, ludicrous <laughs> to put on. So we've never really gone over calendars. Uh, you know, John had just put out a program or a, a series on that this year, but, but up until then we hadn't. So it, it allows you to kind of take away the constraints, like I'm saying here, and, and, and not like what John is saying, take the framework of something existing, and then you just end up curve fitting it. So that's a great point. Um, the, the highlights for me, as I said, from my perspective, uh, well, first of all, the, the, this is really geared towards that stage four and stage five trader, right? So in stage, stage four, stage five, you, you've got uh, the rule sets down, you can trade them in your sleep, and now you're consistent on some or all the trades that you have. Now you're adding subjectivity, you're adding uh, technical analysis and implied volatility analysis. And now this is really, you know, uh, a lot about understanding the math around your trade and developing your own trade, your own system. And so that that four stage four or five trader, this is really going to speak to that group. And yeah, you had a comment, John? Yeah, no, I was just saying too. You keep talking about the math, and people may not really know what that talks about. But sure. you know, we talk about the probability versus the risk um, versus the reward in the strategy, and how just knowing those numbers will tell you um, yep. what the strategy is reliant on in order to win. Right. You know, Right. So, and, and how dangerous they are. Yeah, so, yeah. As a matter of fact, John opens up the program talking about win rates. I believe you said something along the lines: if if you showed John a trade that had a ninety percent win rate, he knows without a shadow of doubt it's a crap strategy. Win rates. Yeah. And and yeah. how win rate relates to uh, the risk reward. Yeah, I, I mean, if you have a rule based strategy that's winning ninety five percent of the time. And you're not being non-subjective with it. You're not. You're not. And, and you're. And, and you're being non-subjective with it. And you've back-tested yeah. it for a long period of time, not for a year, but for you know five years, ten years. And it's right. winning ninety-five percent of the time. You have a strategy with a very low profit target and a very large amount of risk, mm -hmm. right? And, and it's going to have a huge structural risk. So we just we automatically know when we see that win rate what's going on with the strategy and. The reality is you're very, at that point, you're very reliant on that win rate to maintain itself in order to be profitable. And when it doesn't, when the period market goes through a period of time, it doesn't, it's going to be disastrous for you. And, so, and that brings up another thought, just kind of pops in my head. If, if that's where you're weighting your importance in a trade is in win rate, that tells you a lot about your mindset and your deficiency in your mindset. I have mm -hmm. to win. I have to be validated. Right. Yeah. And that's, and, and, the program really goes into that where, you know, we detach ourselves from that because if you're just trying to develop something that has such a high win rate, then what does that say about where your, your, your mindset, your middle, your mindset as it relates yeah. to trading is at? Yeah. That's a good point. So, and again, you know, this, this is kind of, this program is the, for me was the culmination of everything that we learned in, in um, uh, the lock in your success uh, system, if you will, you know, it pulls everything together, the mental game, all the programs, the tactics, and you finally sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to create my own strategy, my own trade. What are, what are the tools? That I, what are the things I need to think about? What are the tools that I need to do to pull that together? 
And that's what this is really about. And so that's right. what's nice is this, this synthesizes everything that you've learned to this point. And maybe it's a little scattered in your head and a little scattered in your journal. And this program will really help you put all those puzzle pieces together to develop something that's really personalized to you. Right. Um, so the other highlight for me that I took away was, you know, again, we've mentioned it several times is, is mindset. And specifically for me was this idea of resulting. And that comes from, I believe it's Annie Duke. Annie thinking Duke in poker. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking yeah. In bets. yeah. <laughs> World champion uh, poker player thinking in bets is one is an excellent book uh, around thinking and probabilities, but she has this concept that she presents called resulting where the way I think of it is, is you judge the quality of the decision by the outcome of that one data point, which has nothing to do with the whole data set. So if I, you know, roll down my upper longs in my M3 and the next day I hit the profit target, does that mean that rolling down upper longs is always the right thing to do? If you're resulting, then you would conclude that. But we all know uh, or most of us should know that that has very little to do with it, that the, the outcome doesn't have anything to do with the process. As long as you're making quality probability based decisions, the outcomes over time will take care of themselves. We don't want to, and you know, this is a really tough one. It sounds like on the surface, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But how many times do you close out a trade and it was a loser and you're like, ah, I'm just, uh, that, that wasn't any good. You shouldn't have that kind of an emotion, right? That's resulting. You're, you're, mm. you're having an emotional reaction based on one outcome, one data point. You know, and the other thing that John also emphasizes, he's like, you know, don't forget that a, a lot of what happens in the market in our trades is luck. What you can control, though, is process. Control the process that you're, that you're going through each, each and every day. So I don't know if you have any comments on the, on the resulting, but that was a big takeaway for me. Yeah, I mean, we see this over and over and over again. And the problem is, and I think we said, talked about this in the workshop. <clears throat> I asked the question, how long did you have to backtest your strategy before you actually believed in it and it was going to work, right? And a lot of people will say something like, I don't know, three years, five years, 10 years, ever since we have ever had data, right? And, and I, then I say, well, well now you're going to trade this strategy that you've spent all this time back testing, all this time proving to yourself that it's a good strategy. You understand there's times when it wins and at times when it loses, and now you've lost two trades in a row and, and you're gonna bail ship, right. right? That doesn't tell you anything. The last mm -hmm. two trades you did doesn't tell you anything about your strategy, right? the result of those trades. Right. Right. It's, it, they're very highly luck driven. So, you know, at least give yourself a chance. <laughs> right. Stay, stay, with, <laughs> right. stay with the probabilities. Right. So do, yeah. do, I'll, I'll put a, a, a finer point on it and move on. But, you know, you may make that adjustment in my example earlier. And that was a low probability adjustment that put it was a poor probability move. But the trade won. Does that mm -hmm. mean. What, what does that say about the quality of the decision? Well, the trade won but it was still a very poor decision. Why? Because it was a low probability tactic. Well, I have so, a better one for you. you know, yeah, go for it. You, you know, you, you, you're in a trade, you're past your maximum loss, you're <laughs> at really high delta. Right. Okay. And you decided to sit in the position and the market reversed and you hit your profit target. Right. Right. So, 
So, so holding on past max loss, I should do that every time, right, John? That's right, right. That's what you've learned, right? Uh, maybe, right. In fact, maybe you should increase size because now it's going right, to be better. Right, right, right. right. And, and if you trade that way, you know, if you take yeah. that lesson away and you trade that way and you become more confident that's going to happen next time, and I've seen this happen with traders, literally good traders who've been trading for 20 years, I've seen them do this, right? Oh, that worked last time, and, and they don't really have a second thought about it. And if you don't have a second thought about it, what's going to happen is – it's going to go into your unconscious as this is the right thing to do. And I'm going to right. do it next time. And I'm going to do it with more confidence next time. Right. And that, that's where I'm saying you're not, you're no longer trading the math. You're trading hopium. So yeah, that's when you, you, you know, you've really come off the rails or you've, you've gone full tilt as they say in the, uh, in the business. So let me, uh, let me move on to the next slide. A little more specific around the, the principles that I took away from it is, you know, trading is really a, a, a creative endeavor, right? There's a create, there's a creativity to it, uh, and the market gives us an opportunity to express that, express our beliefs upon the market. And when you first get into trading, you, that's kind of the last thing that comes to your mind, right? Like creativity. What are you talking about? He's got paintings and blank canvases and Van Goghs, and you know, but but it really is, right? So you have a certain set of beliefs about the market, hopefully, hopefully quality ones. Um, and the way you express it is the, is the trade you're putting on. And the way you go about developing trades is a creative process. So I think for me that that really kind of adds um, another dimension to trading that makes it uh, e even more exciting and even more of a challenging uh, in endeavors to be able to, you know, we all want to express ourselves, right? We all want to be creative. And, and this is what this program can really teach you to do is really take ownership uh, of a trade that you've developed. And it may be just a trade that only sets up once a quarter, but it's something that you've done. And when, when the conditions are just exactly what you uh, have developed and back tested, then you deploy it. Maybe, you know, you don't have to make a trade that, that that's something that you do every single uh, month or week or whatever, but I think the creative, so this allowed a lot of people to get creative. And as you'll see in the programs, the trades, some of the trades that people came up with, I think you'll agree with this, John, were pretty interesting. They're pretty, um, they're, they're, they're pretty unique. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Unique. And so that's good, right? You need to be able to do that. I mean, if you make something just completely wacky, you know, maybe you, you played a, a short bearish butterfly, you know, mm -hmm. take things upside down, see what it looks like. And then that leads you down a road of, of some of these creative paths. Um, the well, 80 20 rule. Oh, go ahead. Just speaking of creativity, too, by the way. Yep. That's right. A lot of people, they come into the trading business and they're just looking for a strategy that wins. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, gosh, where was I going with this? You know, they're, they're just looking for a strategy that wins. But what they don't understand is that every strategy essentially is a representation of the trader's beliefs about the marketplace. Right. We, get, we go extensively into this, right? And we talk about, you know, why would you trade a bullish vertical like a bull trade? Only because you have certain beliefs about the marketplace. Otherwise, if you didn't have those, you know, even though you're quote unquote being non-subjective, you are being subjective in a way, in the way that you're trading a strategy that represents your beliefs, which is good if that's what your beliefs are. But if you're just trading a bullish vertical and you have no beliefs about the strategy, then you're just in a black box and you're hoping right. it works. Right, right. There's no expression of self. So it's, yeah, well, well said. Exactly. And, and I think that's a good thing for people to internalize. Because, uh, you know, for me, it, it kind of invigorates you, right? You, 
in a sense to be able to think of it in those terms of, uh, of creative expression because you're putting you're putting a statement out on the market anyway right mm -hmm. like you said so you might as well know the, what that statement is <laughs> right and how that and, how, and what the math is behind it the other uh, big principle that comes out of this is what some people refer to as the 80 20 rule or the pareto principle right and and that's interpreted in, or can be applied in a number of ways, you know, where sometimes it's 80% uh, of the results come from 20% of the activities, or you could also say that you only need 80% of the information is quote unquote good enough and you move on. Because I think for, I know this happened to me in the beginning, you know, back testing can be quite laborious. Um, it, it's, it's a necessary endeavor, but when you're in trade development, you need some tools to speed up that process. Cause every time you make a tweak to a rule, you, know, you can't go and, and well, you can, but it's pretty difficult to go back and, uh, O and E and, um, do five years of back testing quickly. So, you know, what you want to do is just be able to look, like John said earlier, be able to look at a chart, get a sense of the overall performance of the trade. Uh, get 80% feel of it, you know, right? Like if the market really drops, then you know volatility is going up and you know kind of what the trade's going to do at that point. It, you know, it, it, did it go over max loss? Well, maybe not on the point move, but when I factor in the fact that IV probably exploded, yeah, it did. You know, those, those kind of statements is, can move you along the path and, and you can get through, you know, uh, 12 trades if, if that's what you're doing, if, if it's one, uh, one trade a month, 12 trades a year, and get through it. And then there was also uh, some people that created some strategies where they were able to put it in an Excel and, you know, yeah. input with input variables. And, it, you know, it's automated, right? You change a variable and it spits out the output of, of what the trade would have been. So it could be as simple as that, you know, and with uh, verticals, bull puts specifically, that's a pretty easy one to do. And then you could sit there and quickly have that data and say, you know, it's kind of a feasibility thing, right? So where does it fail? Where does it succeed? And you got 80% of the answer and you move on and you're fine from there. And then the, the, the uh, well, you know, one of the good things about 80% of the answer is people go in, will go into back testing and you'll have a trade that's questionable, right? So you'll have one that, that um, it takes a, it, it takes a big loss if you made this little adjustment and it wins if you made that little adjustment. Mm -hmm. Okay. And really by back testing that and making that little adjustment so that it wins, all you're doing is form fitting it to the luck of what happened to happen for that particular market environment. The reality is if, if a trade's that close, you don't know whether, whether it would have won or lost anyway, you kind of have to throw it out. Right. Yeah. And that, that kind of, that's a good point. That kind of speaks to my next yeah. use of the 80, 20 rule, right. Is, we, we constantly have uncertainty. Every, every, we don't, I don't know where the market's going tomorrow. John doesn't know where it's going tomorrow, but we have an idea of probabilities and we can make an 80% assessment of what we know today and we move forward with it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that, that was another, because I know for me as a type A personality and I like to have all the data points and all the T's crossed and all, dot all my I's and John comes in and says, you know, you, you, it's just going to bog you down. You got to move through this process quickly. And sometimes it's an iterative process. You know, you might develop a trade once and scrap it and develop another one and then put another layer on. You need a way to work through it quickly um, and using that 80-20 rule and understanding it's all about uncertainty. The whole market is, you know, life's uncertain. Markets are certainly uh, uncertain. So you're not going to have 100% of the information. You have to be able to make 
a quality decision with just 80% of the information that you can get. So again, right. another, another use of the other 80-20 rule. Right. So you remember early in the program, we start talking, because this is kind of on topic, we start talking about specifics. On high, you know, we talk about driving a Disney World and having to get more and more specific on your directions and how that would actually stop you from being successful at doing that. Yeah. Because, and how people do the same thing with their trading, right? So they're, they're not confident. So they try and they gear towards more and more specific. Is this, do we, do I delta, adjust at 42 delta or 41 delta? <laughs> right. You know, I, you know, and I've, hey, hot skill T is charged. I used to be that way. I mean, you know, John's, we've had um, mentoring sessions where you were just like, hey, come on, man. <laughs> Five delta on a 10 lot. What are you talking about? Right. And, uh, and the reality is, is you can't even tell five delta with where yeah. the numbers work around yeah. during the day. But it's easy to get myopic. Um, hey, John, at this point, I don't know if you want to check if there's any questions or comments in the chat. Um, um, there's nothing really relative to us. There's okay. a couple regarding some other things. But yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Okay, let's move on. Um, the, mental, the mental technique of reframing in order to redirect our emotional state. This is what uh, I believe it was day two that you went into uh, mindset. I think we had like three hours on mindset. Yeah, it was a really excellent session. Really kind of pulled together a lot of the concepts, but this one really spoke to me. Is being able to reframe. You know, like like say you've got some anxiety over trade. Oh my gosh, what what if we wake up tomorrow after the debate and Russell's down forty points? sure could happen but you know some of you might start to fixate on that right and then you might start thinking at the end of the day you're going to rush some adjustment in there to protect against that move and john teaches a technique to redirect that emotion right to reframe it in a different manner um because yeah, you, you actually you, you talk yourself into right. that, that it yeah. has to happen, right? It so you're yeah. concerned about it, you focus on it, and then you you know once you once you focus on something, you just you delete, distort, and generalize information in a way that confirms what you think, right? And when you let that go over and over and over and over again in your head, next thing you know, you're a hundred percent certain the market's going down after this yeah. debate, and then you wake yeah. up and it's up forty. It's the opposite. Right. Yeah, but but what 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 the you know this this is where and John goes into detail on this, but specifically I just want to mention you know, a lot of it is just leaning back on. Let me reframe that anxiety or this um, this emotional state that that I don't want to be in or an unpreferred state is probably a better way to say it. It's focusing back on the mass, the probabilities over a long sample size over over a, a large sample size of trades. We're not worried about the outcome of this one trade redirect that your your mindset to the math to the expected value to the probabilities so that that was a huge one for me and then the other kind of big one you know as you're going through all the programs you know there is a level of complexity that gets stacked on which is necessary for the part of the learning journey but you get to this stage and you kind of zoom out and you're like wow now i can move back towards simplicity making yeah. things simple you know whether it's the strategy it's the it's the um the tactics within the strategy uh w whether it's the objectives or goals i'm trying to achieve because you can easily get get caught up in the weeds well, with what well, we're what doing is, well first of all what what is the reason people get so complex with their strategies 
Yeah, because they're they're trying to force their will on the market and on the strategy to win. Right. It's fear. It's insecurity. That's fear and insecurity. Yeah. I can't. I can't lose. I. I, I have right. To win. Actually, what's this Steve Steve saying? Reframing in percent chances made me get out of thinking the market was uh, that the market was certain to do X or Y. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. Good too. yeah. Yeah. Easy to do. So. Um, yeah, and specifically, you know, your your M34U strategy, which I'm pretty sure that's you introduced that. We developed that at the workshop. Yeah, developed at the workshop. workshop. Yeah, was and kind of the big. Yeah, like, yeah. Just that in the, the Super Bowl. We, well, we're both yeah, developed just, essentially out of this workshop, as well as uh, Seth, yeah. Seth Freudberg's um, um, uh, short-term yeah. bullish strategy too. You yeah. guys, you worked on that with him, right? So I was on that on that team. We developed it in what I don't know. Hour and a half, hour, hour and a half. Maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and you back tested. You got well, how many years of back testing? Approximate uh, um, back testing results did you get? Like twenty, right? I yeah. Don't remember. <laughs> One, two, three, four. I'm looking at my notes right now. We did like six years in you know an hour because you know we had five people divided at the work. But again, it, it was just quickly, quickly, quickly. We're moving through it to try to get a a feel for things. But that move towards simplicity in all things really will uncomplicate your life when it comes to trading. So. Um, and I'll touch on that a little bit here later. But let me move to Definitely. next slide. So what, why these principles? What, what is it about these principles that are effective? You know, the market's going to force you to evolve your trading anyway, right? So an example is, um, I think it, this is probably one that you remember, John. It was Iron Condors back in 2005, six, and seven were just money makers, right? Some, some, mm -hmm. somewhere in that period. Yep. And then maybe it was 2007. Obviously, 2008 comes and just blows it out of the water. So if you're not already evolving, the market's going to force you to evolve. You know, evolve right. your trading. What we mean by that is adapt, understand be able to develop and dance and move with the market when it changes. You know, there's, you're not going to just iron condor we, trade your way to wealth. Right. Can we look at that example too for a minute? I just kind of want to go over something with that. And uh, oh, wait. It, uh, okay. Did you want the me to? Iron, the iron condor example. Yeah. Did right? you want me to show something or? No, 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 no. I just want to talk about this. Right. So we yep. have this trading strategy, high probability trading strategy, high probability condor. Does well, I don't know, 2004, 2005, 2006. Turns out a favor in 2007. Now, I want to point out that that strategy is still a high probability strategy. In fact, if you took that strategy and you went into probably 2012, 2013, 2014, it probably would have been fine. So the strategy, if you traded it through that over the long term at a consistent trading size, chances are you would have felt like crap in 2008 and you would have lost a lot of money in 2008. But by the time you reached 2010, 2012, you know, you're back profitable and everything's happy again. But the problem is someone's going to, the person's going to, what they're going to do is they're going to start the iron condor and they're going to do, they're going to do a, tra a trading, which we talked about this in the workshop, a position sizing strategy called test double size all in and then retreat, right? So they're going to come in, they're going to trade it small, they have, they'll have a year or two of success with it, and they get more and more confidence because they're basing their confidence off the result. Resulting. Not the, <laughs> right. Not the principles that not the principles and the features and the risks within the strategy. They're not basing their size off that at all. They're basing it off the result. So that being the case, by the time 2008 comes, they're at this huge trading size, right? Mm. And they get completely blown out. And, um, you know, 
now if they and now what's the problem with that well if they were able if they were trading appropriate slightly sized in the first place relative to the risk that it actually had for repeated losses then they would have been fine through that period they could have continued to trade it and they could be profitable using that same strategy today because it turned back into favor so you can see the cycle of that strategy now the problem is that all trading strategies run through that cycle. So what would ha what would happen what happens to most traders and why I still get calls today from people I met 15 years ago who were trading and had already been trading for 15 years is because what they'll do is they'll get blown out in that strategy and then oh that's not the magic strategy anymore they're going to look for a new magic strategy for the new market and they're going to do the same thing. They're going to start small. They're going to test it. They're going to double their size. They're going to increase their size to full size, and then the market's gonna turn out of that strategy's favor. And then they're gonna be, find their down money again. And then they'll go run, run through that same process over and over and over again, right? We don't wanna do this as traders. I mean, if we wanna trade the same thing through all markets, I think that's fine, but you can't, you have to, you have to do it with an intelligent position sizing strategy. Otherwise, you're just not gonna make money. You're going to be you're going to be uh, negative. A much better way to do that is to understand the iron condor and understand now the market's moving too much for that strategy, and then shift at that time, <laughs> right, into right. something that's more adaptable to the market, recognizing the changes. And that is the, going to be the trader who's going to be consistently profitable right. all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, didn't mean to get off. Base. No, that's a good example. So you know that just to reiterate, so the, the market's going to force you into it. Why not yeah. be preemptive and get out in front of it? Evolve your trading now. Adapt, get the skills to adapt to the market now before it happens, before February of 2018 happens, before again, February of 2020 happens, before, you know, whatever summer of 2023. It's, it's coming. Get, evolve, adapt now. Um, and you'll see these themes again. I'll just run through them real quick. But thinking about structural risk, meaning the actual risk in the trade, uh, it was interesting. And, and, and the risk reward. So John takes a simple, the bull trade. And what's the risk reward on that? It's like four, uh, four to one. And he just Some, flips it on. Is, right. Isn't that right? right? Yeah, yeah, it's um, I, I regular bull. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah, but, however wide you're But doing there's a lot of structural strategy. risk in that trade. Yeah, yeah but he says, well, can't, why don't we just move the thing out the money and get a one to one? I can get the same structural risk, you know, total dollars at risk, changing the size, you know, whatever you're doing. Um, and then let's just see how that thing performs. And, you know, we won't give it away now, but the way that the at the money um, uh, bull trade performs as time passes was very interesting relative to say a BWB and, and the same kind of construction that you would not think. So really thinking about your trades and, and a risk reward ratio thing. Like, like for instance, in my style of trading now, you know, Delta is like a tertiary consideration. I mean, certainly it's, I've, I've got a range I want to stay in, but it's not like the one, the first place my eyes go to uh, generally it's more around, you know, what's the risk reward of the structural risk to the max opportunity at expiration of the trade, you know, am I still, Risking one to make two. Not that that's what the result was going to be, but what I'm trying to get is, is a lay of the land. You know, am I risking two to make one? Is there no, you know, am I, am I, do I have a hundred thousand dollars at risk and I, and the tent is only goes up to 25,000. 
that's poor, <laughs> that's poor risk. You know, just on that alone, and it tells you a lot. So thinking about it like that. So the other thing that I that um, I think a lot of people found interesting, well, it's a couple of things. We we did a lot of uh, work looking at the difference between a bull and a super bull. For those, but for right. those of you who don't know what that is, it maybe not part of the community. Is a bull trade is a high pro, quote unquote high probability. Um, I guess most people would call that a ninety percent probability win trade, right? Because we're selling a ten delta put. Out of the money credit spread. Yeah. Yeah. Right, out of the money credit spread. And then we have an at the money or it's actually a lot of times out of the money uh, put uh, put spread. Right. With a one to one risk reward ratio. And, you know, people make uh, assumptions that one trade is going to have a higher probability than the right. other. You Just because it's people, farther away. Right. Because it's farther away. But what you find out is the Super Bowl actually has a higher real win rate than right. our bullish vertical strategy. And we talk about why that is and the misconceptions people have and you know, you know, the lies in, of what they're told or the lies of the beliefs of a lot of traders who try to trade these types of strategies and how um, following that advice is probably, you know, it, it's definitely not true advice, so. Yeah, and it's a great example of, of kind of opens your eyes of, of we have these assumptions, right, that we make that aren't tested and we just move forward with these untested assumptions subconsciously. Because right. you know, what you were saying before, the assumption between a broken wing butterfly yeah. and a bull trade, right? A flat right. delta broken wing butterfly and a bull trade. We were talking about how the flat delta broken wing butterfly has more downside risk than a bull trade does. Right. And you wouldn't think that, right? You're like, no way. I mean, that thing is, yeah. It's so, just you can't see it. You've hit you it. can't see it. So that, that was really enlightening. And then the last piece on this slide that I wanted to, to mention was, you know, the value of collaboration, having a trading partner or a group, you know, getting together with, with a couple of people, you know, maybe it's one, uh, uh, two or three, you know, you don't want to get too many, um, cooks in the kitchen, get on a Skype group or some collaborative uh, situation. And, you know, it does a lot of things, right? It adds community because trading can be lonely, right? It can be boring. Mm -hmm. And that's how you could really speed up trade development. You know, what are you doing? What are you thinking about doing? And then also help you identify blind spots, things, things you're not, you haven't considered uh, about a trade. Um, you know, this just people, bringing ideas together and, and uh, you know, we've always done that at these workshops in a live environment, but this really emphasizes that. Um, and I know that I've, I've had, I've been in several groups, I'm still in several groups and that's really advanced my speeds up my trading and, and the learning curve really ramps up when you're, when you're able to get into groups, if you, if you have that ability. And, you know, if you're in the community, uh, you could reach out in Skype and we can help connect you with people. And then, you know, if you're not, we encourage you to join because having community and to be able to be the ability to collaborate is really going to ramp up your trading. Absolutely. Um, when we do design a trade or we're developing a trade, we're taking that blank canvas and turning it into a, eventually a, a, a Van Gogh. It's probably going to be stick figures at first, right? That, that painting. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you want to think about how, what, what are the tactics in the strategy that I want? You know, that you will always hear this term, fits your, trade a trade that fits your personality. You know, and it's always, that's to me has always been a platitude. It's like, well, what do you mean fits my personality? I want one that wins. I want one that makes money. That's my personality. You, you, got, a, you got one for that? But you know, <laughs> once you kind of get, 
get through the sort of dense way of looking at it. You know, what are your time constraints, if any? What What is it uh, about the tactics that you've learned in some of the trades up to this point that you that you prefer, that you know that there's edge? What can you do to simplify the trade? You know, you want to be rolling the thing uh, every time it's under the shorts and rolling it up every time it's to the top. You know, I say that like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's just extra uh, uh, effort, right? That extra may effort. not be necessary. Yeah. And in the program, John definitely highlights how that, um, there's a better way to that, better way than, mm. than just uh, having to, to roll a trade up and down and chase the market. Um, so, you know, as far as the personality thing, you know, an example I have is like, do you like high gamma or are you a low gamma trader? You like, you know, long duration, short duration trades. So those, those, the gamma kind of goes hand in hand with that to a certain degree. Those are the things you want to think of first. And that kind of gives you a starting point is what are the things that are going to make me make me um they're gonna fit me and i want to don't want to use the word comfortable necessarily because we have to be used to being dis uh uncomfortable right to a certain degree but comfortable with the strategy is something with uh with the math and the strategy and the expected values um something you can execute and feel comfortable with and not just fall into complexity so think about the tactics that you want in your strategy and then i talked about you know rolling Butterflies. Can I simplify that with with sizing or verticals or something something else? What 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 is what do you feel like is laborious in your in your trading or a trade that you have now that you'd like to remove or change? That could be a starting point for your trade development. And you know, taking the strengths and weaknesses, or excuse me, not the weaknesses, but taking the strengths from the trades that that you're exposed to now and and using them. Like the V32 rollback tactic was pretty. Um, pretty clever on John's part. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, as he rolls down the upper longs in the broken wing butterfly, uh, that does expose your downside over time. But he also uh, uh, bumps up uh, the trigger point for, for the trigger point from when he'll roll that back. So he's adjusted for that, for that risk uh, that happens when he when he does that tactic. So if that's something that you like, then apply that to your trade, you know, and then there's the, uh, the B14 risk reduction. It's always put protected, you know, maybe that's a tactic that you'd like to always have. So, you know, you can borrow and pick and choose right. from, from all and, the different and, programs. And that's one of the things with the programs that we put out there too, is we, I purposely adjust them different ways, not because one way is better than the other or because one way is perfect so that the trader can get a, gain an understanding of when it's best to use different types of tactics. Because there is no one universal tactic that's really going to work all the time or, or going to be the best thing to do all the time. Sometimes right. it's the best thing to do. Sometimes it's the worst thing to do. And if you can start identifying that, then you can apply those like, you know, I'll do an, I'll do an M3 and I'll convert it into an M3.4U that I'll convert it into a, a V14 that I'll convert it into a V32, depending on what's going on in the marketplace and how I want that to react and what weaknesses and vulnerabilities I want to try and cover up. Right. Yep. And then that, that sort of leads you into back to the simplicity concept. And John specifically noted this in the, um, the prep for the workshop, there was homework before the workshop where we all had to individually develop a trade strategy. And he specifically said in there, you know, the strategy must have a rule set. Uh, 
that's complete and specific enough so it can be back tested, but also simple enough where someone can follow the strategy without you having to explain it and walk them through it. And that's pretty hard to do uh, at first blush because, you know, you get into these strategies and you start adding complexity. You're like, Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. And that looks good. And then you're like, I, I can you explain it to a five-year-old? Uh, I, I, you know, probably right. have a hard time explaining it to yourself. So you want to have that guide, that guideline in place, you know, Right. You know, when you have a rule that says you have to do this, but you can only do it here and right. only at this delta when that happens, and this happens, what you have is you have somebody who covered up a, 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 a loss in a trade to make that trade palatable for them to trade forward. Right. Right. When, yeah. You've got these multiple nested in, if then statements before you yeah. take an action. And that's just going to lead to uh, over, com over complex situation and, and probably trading errors. Right. So I think we, we've really hit on uh, this, this consistent theme and this, this uh, philosophical principle always comes to mind when I think about simplicity and some people probably heard of this, but Occam's razor. Um, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but that's how I go with. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it simp simp simply states, no more things should be presumed to exist that are absolutely necessary. In other words, the fewer assumptions an explanation of a ph phenomenon depends on, the better the explanation. Well, that was kind of confusing, right? So <laughs> here's the way I put it in layman's terms. When, when you're faced with a situation or a decision, particularly when it comes to trading, the simplest course of action is usually the best course of action, especially when we have imperfect information, which is every day we have uncertainty. So, you know, here's an example, you're adjusting a trade and you're thinking about, well, I could throw a broken wing butterfly up on top in the calls and then I can do the verticals uh, in the existing and then I can roll the long call down and you've got all these, you know, it's gonna be four or five orders and uh, you know, it took you 20 minutes to kind of think about what you wanted to do and now you, it's 10 minutes till the close and I gotta rush my orders in. And then you get done and you load it all up into your analytical software and you realize if you just took off one butterfly and added a vertical, you got the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You didn't yeah. have all the slippage and bad exec execution cost you. You'd have been better off if you'd done nothing. And, and that can be frustrating. So, you know, just anytime, not, not only in your, in your trading, but particularly in your trade development, always just go with what's, What's the simplest course, course of action? What's, just apply Occam's razor. Yeah, we Occam, do that too, particularly if yeah. you're in trouble, right? You're, you, I mean, you, yeah. it, it, this opens your mind too, by the way, right? So if, you, if, if you've practiced making simple adjustments to your strategies when they run into trouble, then you know, say you're trading a strategy and you get a down move and the processes to this big complex process to adjust it, you can just simply pull this simple adjustment out of your hat, so to speak, and apply it right now because the market's just too crazy for me to deal with mm -hmm. the trade right now, right? And do right. anything complex. So I think that's really good to, to bring out also. Yeah, and, it, you know, and it's, it's tempting as we dive into this, uh, either our existing trades or we're developing and designing a new one to get complicated, right? Because complication mm -hmm. somewhere in the recesses of our subconscious equals better results. And that's simply not true. Right, security. If there's right. more layers you have to go through in order to lose, then then right. uh, 
then you're safer, right? Yeah. So, so see how these things all tie back to mindset uh, that John goes over, you know, and, and um, so it really kind of goes hand in hand, these concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I found this one kind of funny, right? So uh, I love Wiley Coyote. Yeah, Wiley Coyote. He's chasing the roadrunner. He's been chasing him for years. He can't, he never can quite get him, but he's always trying to develop some elaborate scheme to get him. And, you know, (laughs) in case you can't quite make out the picture, that is a snowmaking machine. I guess that's a refrigerator that's uh, spitting out ice and chopping the ice out in front of him. He's skiing down the hill so he can, you know, run faster after the roadrunner that he's going to get him. (laughs) The quote here there sure are simpler ways to catch that bird, but the complicated ones kick ass, <laughs> right? So you develop this trade and it's got, you know, this really long rule set and it really looks great on your analytical software and it's, it looks cool. It's complicated, but you know, at the end of the day, is that really going to beat your objectives and your goals? Is that right. really what you're looking for? And that that's, which you have to constantly remind yourself, you don't want to parse out the complexity. Maybe, maybe in your trade design, it gets complex and then you can zoom out and say, okay, what can I shave off? What can I cut off, um, parse out and bring this back down to simplicity. Mm -hmm. And then we do go into, I just got a couple more slides here, John, and I'll hand it back to you. Um, uh, a section where I mentioned earlier where, uh, me and two other participants, uh, take the X4 strategy. Some people may, may, or may, may or may not be familiar with that, but that's a, a, a program with three different trades that are appropriate in three different kinds of markets. And it can be used independently or as a system. And we walked through how we took that, uh, those three trades and created a system through a swapping strategy. We made it mechanical, but we used technical analysis and some IV analysis to uh, sort of create a system out of a set of trades. So that's not necessarily just starting with a blank canvas, but it's another way of coming, uh, developing a system. Right, and it was really, you know, showing the way the expo was designed to be right. able to deal with different market conditions, so yeah. Right, and and, and looking at them independently and, and trying to find out, you know, you just real simply, you know, you're back testing each trade and, and graph the uh, equity curves and you, visually you can see when these things get into trouble, you know, what year, what period you look at the charts and you're like, okay, I don't want to be in that trade, but this one, this other one over here performed really well. Okay, good. What are some triggers, uh, some things I can put into place to get me in the right trade to align myself. So we really go into the depth on that um, presentation. I believe that was in day one. It was yeah, so, morning of day one. Yeah, it was like yeah. a, at least a good two or three hours of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I think there's some good, nice. good examples there of how you can take something existing and make it your own. Um, system creation and, creation and aligning with the market. Um, yeah, that's just uh, along the lines of what we were just talking about. Um, what we did is try to take, take each trade and, I, and zero in on when they perform the best. Oh, each trade within the X4 strategy. Right? Yeah, each trade yeah. within, sorry. Yeah, each trade yeah. within the X4 strategy, there's three trades. And then identify that market environment. I'm just kind of you know, walking through a linear progression of how we, how we went through this process. And then try to say, what's the trigger or, or action that 
we need to see to get us on the right trade. It was, it, it was basically a campaign, what we call a campaign switching strategy. So I'm in one trade while I'm in a certain particular environment. When, it, when that environment has changed as evidenced by X, Y, Z, whatever we've identified, we're gonna move into a different trade structure. Right, and that was pretty powerful as well. And yeah. I think some of the some of the people's uh, trading strategies they made up actually kind of mirrored that type of a process, and they used different types of triggers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then you can and you know you can get into uh, key performance metrics, the KPIs to help in your development. You know, which you're uh, you want to look at besides win rate and expected value and and those measurements and risk reward, but also you know your average annual return by market environment, not just by calendar year, and that you don't want to just do returns by time, but you want to do returns by environment. Mm -hmm. we, we can clearly uh, uh, look at those and evaluate those. And then your returns uh, relative to drawdown, the double D is drawdown. So, you know, what are my return, what kind of drawdown risk do I have to go through to get these returns? You know, do I got to draw down 50% to make 50? Or, you know, am I drawing right. down 50% to make five? You know, that, those are some things you want to you want to look all, at. All very important numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a trade. It's got two more slides left, John. This is a trade that this was part of my homework. There were two two trades associated with this. Uh, I guess you could call it a system. Um, depending on if we were in a, a bearish to sideways market or what I deemed a bullish market, determine which trade I was in. So this was the obviously the bullish trade that I would enter. And this was, this is a screenshot of an entry of that bullish trade. And it was May, the beginning of May of 2018. So it was what, just a couple of months after the big Volmageddon event. Right. So you'd think, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy uh, to be, you know, some people might think, wow, that's crazy to be in the market. Maybe they felt like enough time has passed, but then you might also say, that looks pretty nutty. You've got $25,000 of risk to the downside. It's a 49 day trade, 49 DTE, but I've got $25,000 of risk and you entered it right at the back of the, of the configuration. So on the face of it, that looks pretty risky. Pretty, someone even might even say ludicrous. Right. right. Some people be freaking out if they if freaking out. Like, why would you put, why isn't it way up front? You know, you need to, I don't have a pointer, but you know, you would, why isn't it more towards the upper long? That's the safe place to be. And, you know, depending on your objective and, and context, sure. But for this particular trade and the way I've structured the system, this works. I, you know, I have uh, parameters and triggers in place to take, to take action if the market were to actually fall out of bed. As you can see on this particular day, the market had already taken off 20, 21 points, pretty big move. And I'm still entering a bullish trade. And I'll just skip to the end of this particular trade to show you how this would end up, even though it looks incredibly risky at the entry. So this was after it's being- not, It's not risky if you're appropriately sized, right? And you have a plan to get out of it. It's just right. taking advantage of the fact that the market right. usually goes up. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and good point. And understanding, I'm looking at my structural risk. I know, the other thing was, is I knew mathematically what the extent, I mean, obviously the worst that could happen is the exchange just closed and I lose to 25,000, but that's, that's factored in. But I also knew after back testing it, what was 
my largest drawdown, my biggest loser. And, you know, you could say, well, if my biggest loser is 10,000 over 40 trades, then, you know, I can reasonably expect one and a half times that. Am I okay with that? Does that still make the math? You know, you kind of want to expand to be even more conservative. But I had the data set to tell me what I could reasonably expect, right? With 80-20, you apply our 80-20 rule out of this trade. And then just seven days later, this trade's made six grand and 25% uh, on, actual, on actual risk. Yeah, so, and, and that's the other thing with perception, right? Because most people think that they're safer when they have a trade on that has like a huge amount of structural risk, mm -hmm. right? With a maximum loss, right? If, if, if you have a huge amount of structural risk then you have to be freaked out when you get to, uh, into trouble. But if you have a trading strategy where your normal stop out point and you size it appropriately is to, is to lose 50% or 75% of the trade equity that you have in it, the total risk. Mm -hmm. If you take a total loss in that trade, it's not really that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. And I mean, I mean, just to further your point, I just want to flip back to entry. It's a, it's a uh, 10 lot trade. It's 141 delta. That's not flat delta. <laughs> no. <laughs> but there is a there's a logic behind it. There's a math behind it. Does that trade lose and does it lose big? Yeah, on occasion. But you know what? It won a whole lot more. And when you are uh, switching into the other trade, which is is uh, we discussed in the program. It yeah. takes advantage of the change in the environment. And actually so, the probability, I don't know if you stop out of this or not, but if you don't stop out of this, the probability of this trade is going to be in up near 90% historically if, if you ran this. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's but that gives you an example of, you know, uh, some out of the box thinking and taking that blank canvas and kind of turning some of the concepts that we are used to and turning it up on its head, right? So specifically, you know, uh, a flat delta flat gamma exactly. and, and kind of, and just explore. And this is just something I was like, you know what, I'm going to just go wacky. What if I do this? And that, that's how this was born. It wasn't, didn't come from anything other than. Yeah. And you guys ended up doing, like I said, a super bullish short-term strategy. Yeah. And um, the super bull's been working out fantastic. The strategy that we put in yeah. the marketplace here. So yeah. there's, I mean, so. There's, there's, there's some, you know, some, um, quality information here so yeah and, and you know what and, and, and at the end of the day if anything if you didn't walk away with anything else there is a ton of idea generation that comes from the program from the other participants uh sharing their trades and their ideas that you could get a lot of value i mean that that alone is probably worth the cost of admission um, it is. maybe and you just don't take that trade verbatim but it might spark an idea yeah, it may spark an idea. You know, and the other thing too is the um, the psychology aspect and the win the the um, the numbers working out the numbers on whether a trading strategy is going to work or not. All that stuff is invaluable information for you as a trader, mm -hmm. and it's true regardless of the type of trading. I mean, even even if you trade directionally, you know, as a oh as a yeah, stock I, I I got one more trade because I, I did want to mention this, Johnny. A lot of people see this and they're like, oh, of course they show the one that makes twenty five percent winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, let me show you the equity curve. Okay, yeah. so this is just 2018. It's part of the, the assignment. It's a, it's a nice 45 degree angle trade. Now it did run into some trouble in the fall. You know, we had another pretty nasty transition mm -hmm. period. Um, 
and there was a sharp drawdown in um, steep drawdown in the summer. So, you know, it's not, it's not perfect, but I would take that. So, you know, it, it just, just, just for the naysayers, the well, biggest yeah, loss. But, but look oh, at ahead. this. If you go back to 2018, most of the common strategies lost yeah. that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'd take you know, this any year, right? Your road trip trade, your rhino trade. Your, yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of the common strategies lost this year. And yeah. this strategy is up a substantial amount of money, even though it had some yeah. trouble in the equity curve. Yes. And, and, and what's crazy is, you know, still had a pretty good win rate. Not that that's necessarily important, depends on your math, but 75% win rate is important in this particular case because the average win is about the same as the average loss. So you need win rate. If the average winner was right. much larger than the loss, then you don't need as much win rate, you know, 50%. It's an easy formula to think about that. But as you can see, I was going to mention, you know, speaking to the, the folks who are like, well, you just showed the huge winners. Yeah, I mean, it lost 10 grand on yeah. a trade. And the largest winner was 11, but it was only max two consecutive losses. So, you know, you, can you deal with that drawdown? You know, I bet that, this trade strategy would have done excellent this year also. Yeah, I, I'm sure it would have. Um, yeah. It's not something that I, that I, uh, that you followed, unfortunately. That, that, yeah, that I followed, but I, you know, there, but it, it got me into a different strategy that's done fantastic. But that's great. Part yeah, of the right. path it's all of stepping there. stones, right? It's all Give stepping up. stones, yeah. Um, but, but the, you know, I just want to share these stats 2.9 profit factor, uh, five max consecutive losers. You know, it's, it's not necessarily terribly streaky in one way or the other. Um, Right. So, you know, yeah. And it's only one year. So we need and it's only down. one year. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is not Very a complete analysis. Yeah. And it's yeah. not a, not a total. Uh, it's it's a sample size, but it's not a total. But this was a heck of a year. Heck of a year uh, from a market standpoint. So that's what I wanted to share. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, we have a, a comment. Actually, let me share my screen and okay. we'll just we'll wrap this up. But um, uh, with a, after a few insights here, but let me share my screen and I want to share this one and let me just zoom out to uh, here. So uh, first of all, a question or a comment. Let me see. This is a question. Okay. So it seems like this is a level four for, for, for level four or five traders. I'm not there yet. I'm still working through APM squared. Um, uh, actually, APM squared is for level four tri traders also, by the way. Um, but the the this is geared toward or is going to be most uh, or, or level four and five traders or stage four and five traders are going to get the most out of this workshop for sure. Uh, however, I'd also like to offer you that the psychology part of the workshop is going to be invaluable for any stage trader as is understanding the dynamics of, uh, of the trades. So, uh, you know, we'll, we go in here, we completely break down, uh, for example, the rock trade. Um, when I developed the rock trade, why did I develop it the way that I did? What are the assumptions or what's the story within the rock trade? In other words, what assumptions am I making in order for me to believe that that strategy would actually work in the marketplace? What assumptions am I making with an M3? What assumptions am I making with that? And we go into the net, net zero trade. What assumptions does that make? What assumptions does a bull trade make? What assumptions does a super bull make? And, um, and we bring the stories together 
And I think that's critical for people to understand, even lower stage traders, that they're not trading a black box. So by, by trading a black box, I mean they just trade this strategy and they think they understand why it wins, but they really don't. I mean, we, we see this with a bearish butterfly. You have people trying to enter a bearish butterfly at the very top of the market, which is not what the, that's not the story we're telling, right? That's not the story that that trade works out best in. You know, same thing with a bull trade. You know, we, we see people who completely look at a chart and they don't even really understand what a bull trade is going to win or lose. So um, bringing this stuff together and bringing these aspects together and bringing in the understanding, I think is important for any stage of trader. So um, I think anybody will get a lot out of it. Uh, you're going to get the most out of it if you know the X4 program, if you know our regular programs, if you are a stage five trader, stage four trader, you'll obviously get the most. But, um, you know, you have a recording of this. You can, you can, you know, as you develop as a trader, you can repeatedly watch these things, these, these, uh, these live programs that we've done. You can repeatedly watch them. And each time you watch them, you know, as you gain more experience and more understanding of the marketplace and, and your own mental um, going on in your head, then you get more and more out of it each time and then you can kind of grow exponentially. So I wouldn't necessarily avoid getting it. I mean, if you're a stage one trader, yes, absolutely. Stage two trader probably also, but if once you get into stage three and you kind of really understand you know, what you're doing and you can, uh, you have some discipline with yourself because ultimately none of this works unless you have the discipline with yourself. But once you've had the discipline with yourself and you, and you, and you have a really good understanding of broken wing butterflies and, and that type of a, a trading strategy, then you can kind of get into something like this, uh, you know, realizing that you're not going to understand all of it, but um, there, you take what you can understand and you just, you run with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's my thought on that. So, when we talk about uh, the Trader Transformation Workshop, it's there to develop the ability to evaluate any trading, stra trading strategy and gain a full understanding of that strategy based on looking at the guidelines, right? So just look at the guidelines and understand what the strengths and weaknesses are and when that strategy is going to have problems and when it's going to do well. Um, we also have a goal of transforming yourself into a confident, co competent, consistently profitable trader. This comes in with having the right mindset. It comes in with understanding complete strategies. It comes in with being able to uh, objectively look at the market and be, and be adaptable, right? Um, we also want you to learn how to quickly create extremely effective trading strategies. Here's the thing, right? People get into a trading strategy and they hope it works. Right? They hope it's profitable. They think of the strategy as a black box and they don't know what they're going to do if it's not profitable anymore. Right? In other words, they don't know why it's profitable. They don't know why the marketplace is reacting in a way that allows it to be profitable. They're just hoping that this thing works. And if, if for some reason it falls out of favor, which it will, doesn't matter what it is, um, which it will, they're just hoping that somebody else will show them another trade that they can make money with. Right? Um, the problem with that, you, you're never going to be confident in trading, right? And you're never really, I mean, why would you be? You're so dependent on, on other people. You don't really have a full understanding of what you're doing and your money's at risk. So with this, you know, we want to, if you fully understand the strategy and you fully understand what it is about the marketplace that allows that strategy to be profitable, when the marketplace changes, you already know what's not going to be profitable in that marketplace you already have an understanding of all this stuff. Now you can see what's going on in the new marketplace and you can easily develop something that's going to be effective in that marketplace. And this is where your confidence comes in. Because, not because you have confidence in a trade, not because a trade's won for the last year, 
but because you understand what's going on and you understand that what's going on now is not going to be beneficial for this particular trading strategy. And then you can either, you know, you either have another trading strategy that will work in that environment, or if it's something completely new, like 2020, well, like 2018, both those were completely new experiences for the marketplace. They've never happened in history, that type of applied volatility move or that type of point move. You see that something new, you see it's happening and you accept that it's happening and you just adapt to it, right? You go, go, those, everybody watching in pro, you saw how quickly I switched over to calendars when the market started going nuts, right? And how powerful that was. Okay, this isn't something I did in 2021, looking back at 2020, this is something that we're doing month to month as the situation was developing and as it was happening itself. You know, you heard me talk about buying stock, which is not options trading, but hell, that's where the opportunity was, buying stock in March, right? Because I'm able to look at the marketplace and know, hey, my bull trade isn't going to work in this when the market's dropping 200 points a day. Let's not do that today, right? Um, let's go into something else that's going to be adaptable in this marketplace. Now, I'm not an expert calendar trader. I don't, I don't trade calendars every month for the last 10 years, but I completely understand how they work and I know what's going on in the marketplace and I can say, hey, let's do this here. And that's, you know, confidence comes with that. Con consistent profits come with that. Um, all the things that you're looking for, and this is what we're trying to develop within the Trader Transformation Workshop, okay? Um, so if that's what you're into, then the Trader Transformation Workshop is for you. So let's just talk about what we have going on here. Um, the regular price for recording of the workshop is $19.95. We have uh, for a short uh, limited time here. We have basic members for 1945. Uh, Go members maybe 1870, and pro members only 1695. And to or in order to take advantage of this, and well, you'll be getting emails too from Sherry letting you know the end dates, which I'm not sure what they are right now. But to show you quickly how to get into this, you can go to LockingYourSuccess.com, trading courses trading performance courses, because this is a trading performance course, not a strategy course, although we develop a lot of good strategies here. Like I said, the Super Bowl and the M3.4U kind of came out of this as well as some other nice trades or nice strategies. But you go trading performance courses and you switch down to trade transformation workshop and you can just click on your membership level and it's only gonna let you in if you're signed in and it knows your membership level. Um, or you can just go into your, if you're a pro member, you go pro members or go members, go members, and you just go into your discounts page here and um, it's gonna be right at the top. Okay, so that's how to get involved for anybody that uh, would like to transform themselves into you know, a much better trader. I hope you take advantage of this. It was a fantastic workshop for myself and the traders that were involved. And, you know, hopefully we can share this experience with you and, you know, make drastic improvements in your trading. So thanks for joining me, everyone. And we will see you on the next webinar. Trade well. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, John.